Welcome to Investing Across Borders with Lauren Cohen. Every week, she will share valuable information that you need to know in order to successfully invest in real estate and other business endeavors in North America. We believe in helping clients invest, live, work, and play across borders. And now, your host, Lauren Cohen. Good morning, everybody, from sunny, beautiful, and warm South Florida. I'm Lauren Cohen, international legal and real estate expert, and I am also a realtor with the amazing company EXP Realty. And I'm here today with my new friend and colleague, James Wong, who is heading up EXP Commercial. It's a ground floor opportunity, and it's just amazing watching a company unfold literally before my eyes. We are here to talk about investing across borders, And there is no better person to talk about that than James Wong, who has basically been involved in international expansion of companies for many years. And I am so grateful to you for spending some time with me today, James. Lauren, thank you so much for inviting me and having me here to share a little bit about the company with EXP Commercial, a little bit about my background and investing internationally. So thank you again for inviting me. Well, I remember it seems like forever ago, but it's probably only about two or three weeks ago, the first time that we were on a phone call. And it felt like we were old friends because we, having been in the EB-5 space for so long and having worked with so many commercial projects of of various sizes, literally all over the world, mostly in terms of inbound to the U.S., inbound investment and dealing with having people, getting them green cards, getting them access to the U.S., creating jobs, bringing capital, all these things that happened that really became a popular, popular way of raising money after the 2008-2009 recession. And you mentioned that your career basically pivoted or changed tracks, the trajectory around that time. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, Lauren. So one of the things as an Asian, uh, a lot of my parents, I hate to say stereotypical, I had a choice. I could be a doctor or an engineer, went down a certain path, studying biochemistry, so everyone knows what that would be. And by the time I started moving along, I went into banking and finance. So I did work for Dean Witter, Then they merged into Morgan Stanley, did some portfolio management. Then when I first got my taste of real estate, I went into portfolio management, worked for one of the largest tech syndicators in the country. And I was just wondering, why are we buying all these buildings from this one company, Marcus and Millichap? So I said, you know what? I want to take my chance to learn commercial real estate. It's great to be a W-2, but I liked a 1099 and being an entrepreneur, right? Creating your own destiny. So I went into Marcus. Did very well after the first year of just cold calling. I realized I loved building the relationships. And then I started syndicating, putting properties together, eventually left Marcus to form my own company, BRC Advisors. We did property management. We did syndication. We did private money lending. We did so many things right from the beginning, like what we're doing at eXp Commercial. You know, it did take me a little longer because I did it from scratch and when I grew it, we did grow it to the height of over 150 commercial brokers. Commercial that's only. huge for commercial. That's a significant private company. I mean, that's big. Exactly, Lauren. And it did take over 15 years for us to kind of scale up to that. The first six months, I was sitting in this 5,000 square foot office by myself because I always thought, build it, right? You know, as entrepreneurs, Lauren, you know, build it and don't come. Well, they don't come <laughs> fast as you want. <laughs> yeah, so true. So true. These days you'd be sitting there waiting because you don't have enough space for a bunch of people to work around you, right? Because it's, (laughs) that's so crazy. Well, that's what I thought. I was sitting in the nice corner office and I was like, where's everyone? No one's coming. You know, I was trying to promote, ask people they could join my firm. Eventually it did happen that we did grow to one of the larger boutique firm, regional firms in the country, in Southern California, where it is a 
high dollar average, right, for property. What is um, the average us- for, let's say, I mean, obviously it differs. I know in Santa Barbara, it's out of control. But like, what's the average price for residential versus commercial property? Just like an average small building, for example, just to compare it, maybe compare an, a California price to the rest of the market. I would just say right now, 800 to a million dollars. You know, when I first started, you can buy some decent, as we said, anything over five units, you use commercial lending. So we right. would then consider it commercial. Anything foreign units, they could, yes, they're still investment properties, but you use residential financing. So five and under, we consider commercial. So I would say, you know, five to six units back in the day, you could get it for two to 300,000. Wow. Now, five to six units, you're paying 800 to a million dollars. Even in, I would say, the sea areas, you're not getting it. So we always wish, right, Lord, when we see these opportunities, oh my gosh, if I would have bought my right. first three buildings, I would have been retired. It's funny, I go back and take a look at the first three buildings I've done, and I would be worth about 20 to $25 million in equity in equity, because those properties, like one in West Hollywood was a 11 unit apartment building. I could have got for, I still remember the 600,000, the seller really wanted to sell it. Harry back, all I needed was a hundred thousand dollar down. That property I looked back now is worth about $13 million. Okay. But let's think about it this way. Let's say that either of us came into EXP three years ago, four years ago, and got stock, right? At 11 cents or 25 cents or whatever it was. And even at the beginning of COVID, when EXP stock was $11 and Craig said, Lauren, you should buy this. And I'm like, nah, it's, uh, I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, James. You weren't around. I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid and I didn't buy it. I bought it eventually, but not at $11. And what did it split at two weeks ago? Oh, when they announced the split, it was, I think, trading at 80. All of a sudden, it jumped. It went over $100. And at the height, it went to $180. It was insane. And that was a penny stock before James and I were in the company. And so yes. it just goes to show you, it's all about having foresight. And it's not, you know, real estate is always going to be a cyclical cycle, but it's always going to bounce back. And it's, it will always have a tangible asset. And I love commercial multifamily properties for my clients because the minimum number of doors to qualify for a visa is five at least. So as soon as they hit the commercial, you know, it's different that it's looked at differently. The government looks at it differently. Everything is different. So I love commercial. I've always loved commercial and I'm so excited to be part of this company as it's growing. So tell us what brought you to EXP, like from, you know, you were very successful in in your own private career and you were with Marcus and Millichap, is that right? I was with Marcus. I founded BRC Advisors. I ran another national franchise operation before I came over to EXP. So good experience from very different dimensions, seeing from leadership and running the company of what works, what doesn't work, and what are the best practices of possibly putting it with this new normal, right? With this technology, which we all know, you really better embrace technology in all aspects of your business. Otherwise, you're going to be obsolete, as we've seen many other companies kind of become obsolete that didn't really embrace and didn't really think outside the box. And I really hate this. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way it's going to be. Uh, Very stubborn, very closed-minded people that don't think outside the box and think, where's the next step, right? Always, like you were saying, being ahead of the curve. 
And EXP has really done that because I remember like years ago, and you were not kind of in the trenches, like just going to these, I wouldn't say lower end, but just these simple networking meetings and people that were in real estate, knowing I have had my real estate license for 13 years. And James, I think I mentioned to you, I never did anything with the darn thing until I joined EXP. So people would hear that I had my license and they'd tell me about this company and I'd be like, it's a pyramid. I'm not interested. What are you talking about? And then I kept hearing about it and hearing about it, hearing about it. Finally, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. And part of the reason the company has been so successful is because it isn't just driven by one stream. And also because it's so tech driven. And the other piece of it, of course, is international. So you've known Michael Valdez for some time. And tell me a little bit about how you came to EXP and the international Mm -hmm. plans for EXP commercial, because right now we're just in the US and just rolling everything out. I know there's a lot of talk. People are desperately waiting for EXP to go into EXP commercial to go into Canada, which makes a lot of sense. But tell me a little bit about that, please. Yeah, so what brought me over to EXP was, I was also a national president for ARIA, the Asian Real Estate Association of America. I served under Tom Trong. So when Tom was president, he joined EXP and I think he was told about it from Scott Lewis and Mm -hmm. Tracy. So heard about it. They told him about it. You know, he embraced it, kind of got it really quick. And he basically said, hey, Jim, you should be part of commercial. But I was already running a national franchise. But this was almost three and a half years ago that Mm -hmm. I heard about EXP. And the one thing is, this is what I look at with everything. Open-mindedness. Open-mindedness. If you're not open-minded, you're never going to get this model. You're just not. It's unique. And you have to be able to think outside of the box. Exactly that. Because what I was trying to do, and I believe it or not, I showed up at your events, like your different regional events. Early on, I went to Scott and Tracy's event in Arizona. Even though I had no real intention of joining, I wanted to learn. I always want to learn. Or maybe so it was I a was... little voice in your head. <laughs> it could have been. It the, been you got to keep an open mind there, James. <laughs> so I always keep that open mind in learning and in time you know, the opportunity came, right? Sometimes as long as you don't burn bridges, right? That's another thing I don't believe. Don't burn bridges and keep an open mind because if you play it out long enough, you never know what opportunities will eventually pop up. But if you burnt the bridge, it's not going to happen. If you don't keep an open mind, it won't happen. So eventually it did come to a point where an offer, an opportunity came to me to run EXP commercial, both domestically, internationally, but also set up the answer services because as you and I know, in commercial real estate, there's fewer of us. Yeah. But pound for pound, the professionalism, right? Because we always, most of the best are full-time. And, and as you know, Lauren, you're like us, 80, 100-hour weeks is nothing, right? Well, well nothing. No, no problem, 80, 100-hour weeks. <laughs> it's like we're here on a Sunday and James didn't even bat an eye because during the week, we don't have time for this. Exactly right. Because we are just doing the day job even yeah. more than the day job. So we do our, a lot of our catch up, our connections, our friendship calls, which, you know, I'm going to get you more involved, Lauren. I, I love the strategy. I'm on it. How do we grow and answer your next question? EXP Commercial Internationally, as you said, very close with Michael Valdez. I was ecstatic. Actually, we were talking before both of us came over to EXP because we were sharing some notes. And I said, oh, I hope you're there. He got to come over first. And then I eventually came over and then we started talking, collaborating, sharing. And that's one of the best things with EXP also, not to drink the Kool-Aid. And I'm so passionate about it, but I was skeptical. I was very, very safe, very conservative. But then, you know, I delved deeper. 
Oh, yeah. I dove deeper and deeper. <laughs> and then I found out with the leadership, open-mindedness, creative, yeah. outside the box. So thinking. creative. I go to Glenn's, the event that he holds at, at the Success Magazine event every day. And I love his mind mapping. I'm a big mind mapper. I mean, and it's extremely collaborative. Everybody wants to help each other because we all are owners of the company. It's great. It's just, it's something that I've never seen. And I work for Citigroup. So I work for the, one of the largest corporate companies and there was none of that going on there. No, and you could reach out to all the different parts of the yeah. company because commercial is a separate company from Realty. We work so well with Dave Kennard and different teams. It is so collaborative, right? With Verbella, with all the deck tools. So happy and excited with Success Magazine. Verbella. So I know what it is, but what is Verbella? I love Verbella. Verbella is our platform that we use to do really remote working, event planning, that you can have your whole event. Just a little example from what I've experienced when I first joined EXP. We had our EXP con last year in 2020. Over 18,000 people. We're in Verbella. This platform to network, to climb. And it's not like Zoom where it's linear, where one person talks. You can move independent of what's going on to go to different rooms, like the expo room, to different breakout halls, to go to the main hall, to walk around, to sail this powerboat. I mean, to go explore, to meet a friend, just to chat, meet on the beach. I mean, it is such a powerful platform. What I told people is like Zoom, right? When Zoom was during the pandemic, everyone had to switch, find other mediums, other ways of conducting business, right? We're not going to sit around and using this time as a vacation. We're using this time to connect, to be proactive. Vacation. Right? There's no vacation. And so when we used Zoom, I looked at Verbella and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Granted, it's an avatar. Granted, it's a video game. It looks a little different, but it works. It's amazing. It really is. It's like for, you know, I showed my son the other day. He's 10. And it's like a video game. I mean, his video games are very dynamic and you have your avatar and you build your avatar and you, this, I mean, my avatar is beautiful. I think she's awesome. She has a ponytail. She's wearing purple, my favorite color. She's very well branded. She hits a few walls, you know. You get used to it, but then you learn all this other creative stuff. But think about this. When technology, I called this like when everyone didn't have a website, the early 90s, right? Websites were just starting to come out. People I remember that. Amount of, <laughs> right? Back in the early 90s. But think about the progression of technology yeah. and the use of technology. Do you not think, and I love this movie, Ready Player One, right? I'm an 80s child, right? So I love that. What's it called? Yeah. Ready Player One? Ready, Ready Player One. It's like the whole world lives in the oasis, this virtual reality that eventually you put on Oculus or different kind of glasses so you can see real life. Do you not think we are not progressing to a point where we can wear glasses, have these hat suits, you know, feel things, see things, smell things, and interact, buy things? So literally you can do everything where you're at right now in this world to collaborate. And we don't even know the full capacities, right? We grew up with rotary phones, and then the dial phones, and then it was connected to, you know, a tether, a line, and then we had uh, the cordless phone. Remember what cordless phone? Oh, my God, that was so cute. Or the first cell phone that you could throw it against the wall and it would make a dent. I mean, it would have made a big dent, that thing. You know, back in the younger day before, you know, I'll tell the little story of what happened to me in 2009. I used to be that kind of bougie person bigging that microwave oven next to my head, right, just to have it. (laughs) and spend all that money. Why did it, you know, just to be a New Yorker and everything else, right? Pretending other things, I'm doing deals, right? But 
the one thing you know that I love is the way the company's forward thinking. And you know, we were talking about 2009. This is what changed my life. Is during the Great Recession, right? Everyone that had more lost more, or had a pivot, like right. what we're experiencing I now. Don't know. Yep. It was so unknown. And when I went through it, like I said before, I did grow my company to a hundred over 150 broker. I think we were 180 at the height, uh, doing about two billion in sales, and all went away. Right in the 2009, after Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers went down. The writing was on the wall, but I had liability, right? We're talking about how EXP and the platform works. I had liability. I had brick and mortar. I had over, let's see, five nice offices, two satellite offices. So my obligation was with the employees and everything else. I think I was paying around close to $300,000 a month just to run this operation. And during the Great Recession, in one month, we couldn't even put enough deal flow from what we were used to well, in six months, right? So in the, during the six months of 2009, I didn't even make as much money as one month's time. Oh. So Lauren, you know, being a lawyer, I was renegotiating, I was begging with everyone, borrowing from everyone. I mean, literally it was such a disaster, but this is what changed my life, right? We always say success doesn't change you. It's your character through pain, failure. through adversity, right? Through failure, because I saw that in your book. And I think it was by Albert Einstein, right? If yep. you didn't do enough things, you didn't succeed. You just, right. you didn't do enough stuff. So yeah, it's great to sit in a closet and never fail because you never did anything. So it does happen, but it does strengthen your character. So nowadays, almost nothing scares me because in 2009, I thought I was retired and literally I had to start over again from the bottom. Did you have young okay. kids at the time? I did not. So that was fortunate. But, Thank God, right. Oh my God. But you know what? I learned it was more than about me. It was about what I could accomplish and what I could help others in right. this world. It, can I help one person? Can I help two people? Can I help a group? Whatever it is, right? The higher powers or whatever it be. Like, I believe in God. So I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. It almost set me back to, Jim, this is your mission, right? We all have talents. We all have, you know, this one life to live. And what can you do for other people? Absolutely. How can you change other people's lives? So. I believe it's so strongly in the core to, one, grow EXP commercial, make people successful so we can give back. We can help other people, but volunteer doing the process, right? One thing I always said in another a blog that I did for another close friend about volunteering is start now. Don't think big. Don't think I'll invest. I'll do this when I make it. No, you need to start now, right? You need to start giving and helping others now. And that's what changed my life, Warren. And then when this opportunity came, you know, I treated it as a blessing, treated it as something that it's an honor to serve, an honor to be involved, work as hard as you can work. So if we can make other people successful within our group, create this culture of giving, serving, helping other people. It's a win-win. Everybody wins that win -win. way. You know, I wrote yes. a couple of notes here. So you mentioned we talked about hitting walls and failure. And, you know, I've been in, I'm in a coaching program actually out of San Diego and I have been for many years. And one of the things that she always teaches is what you have to face your fear and do it anyways. And if you don't face your fear, if you don't know from fear, if you have your path paved with a silver lining, the name of my book, every which way, <laughs> you're never going to really make it or impact others. And I was determined because I hit that wall several times. As you know, my ex-husband was deported. I'm mm -hmm. like, here I am, a newly married person on my honeymoon. My husband is deported. What the heck do I do? At the time, I was not an immigration practitioner. And it just, it propelled me to, like you, 
have make an impact for others, make an impact for others, make an impact for others. EXP is all about impacting others. And if you're not about that, if you're only about the almighty dollar, you'll do well, but you're going to eventually fail. Because I think most people, most of the, certainly most of the core corporate people at EXP, all the ones that I've met and collaborated with, so such giving hearts. I mean, Valdez, Megan, you know, you name it, Glenn, they really want to bring you up. And it's like, I interviewed a friend of mine, you may know her, Nancy Matthews. She's a big influencer internationally. And she, I interviewed her on Friday. She's a very good friend. I helped them get their first trademark and I've been around their world for a while. And their Women's Prosperity Network is all about reaching her hand out and helping someone else up. Okay. Now, as a single mom, I started a nonprofit, Find My Silver Lining, because so many single moms, they're not lawyers. They don't have those numbers or letters behind their name. And maybe they're not going to get out of the fact that when my son was born and he's 10, I had to get food stamps. And it was not fun, James. Okay. It was not fun. But if I hadn't, every time through this whole pandemic, every time something happens, I think to myself, oh my God, Lauren, just be grateful. Just be grateful. You're not there. Because Mm -hmm. I walked in there with my son. He was a little baby. I was covering him. Like I thought I didn't want him to get exposed. That was just my mentality then. Now it's different. Now it's like, oh, Let's help them up. And that's what I'm hearing with you. The other thing is, you mentioned about philanthropy. So I lost my dad to ALS and seven and a half years ago. And I will tell you, and I'm going to put this out there because I've not really spoken about this, but you're mentioning something about do it now. Yeah. And maybe you can help me with this. It's not really an international investment committee thing, but maybe it's an EXP commercial thing. Since my dad passed, I have wanted to do something very meaningful with the ALS Association in my dad's memory. And I remember Patrick Dempsey did something for his mom. Like he created a whole walk in California and I wanted to do something different. So just keep that in your mind. I haven't, it hasn't morphed yet, but something told me I needed to bring it up with you today. So ALS is very obviously near and dear to my heart, but I want to do something that's so impactful. That's like the ice bucket challenge, but it really, you know, that level. So I just wanted to mention that. So James, it's just like so awesome. Tell me, one of your most interesting experiences internationally, like interesting and fun, let's say, because they're kind of different terminology. Yeah. And I'll say experience, but before I do it, this is a great book. And uh, Lauren, wait, hold on. I need to get it. Where? (laughs) Which book is it? Is it mine? There it goes. goes. This is a great book. Thank you. And you know what? Love reading the book. And I love some of the terminology, you know, with your dad and giving back because the grandson, right? You were telling me in the book at the, in the end, and then also, uh, what is it, mom, mom, like entrepreneurs, momapers, right? That you're trying to mompreneurs, teach. Mompreneurs, yes. Mompreneurs, mompreneurs right. right? Because of the work-life balance yeah, with oh, children. What is that? <laughs> yeah. That, is there such a thing? So no, I had to bring that up because not. I would love, you know, the sacrifices moms make, doing it, balancing it all. Granted, everyone should help out. The husbands and the dads should help out a lot more, but it's That would be nice. It's the moms. It's the moms. And I love when I saw that and for your dad and everything else. So I love that and happy to help. I would love to see what we could do because it's meaningful and it changes lives. It so does. I just want to throw that out there okay. before. Cool. Now you're on national YouTube and podcasts and everything. So we'll make it happen. Thank you, James. You know, it really is a pleasure to, I don't know, you just resonated with me from the minute 
you had me at hello. <laughs> right? And you, so let's go back for a second. I want to talk about an interesting and fun past experience. Yeah. And I also want to talk about a little, because EXP is so big on this. And obviously, it's important to me, diversity inclusion. You know, yes. I'm a Jew. I'm a proud yes. Jew. And there, nobody sees it, just like nobody sees that I'm an immigrant. Okay? Mm-hmm. But they know mm-hmm. that you're not... Asian. Right. right. You're Asian. You're not white. And when you fill out that little thing, you fill it out differently. And I'm not any less different than you because being a Jew is a very important part. It's the essence of my being. Okay. And just because you can't see it Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's not there. And the same goes for being an immigrant. Mm -hmm. I went through the same stuff as everybody else. And that's why I do what I do because I want to help them pave the path for them more easily. So please share some very cool, fun past experience, maybe a faux pas, something crazy you did, some crazy (laughs) thing you saw, I don't know. Yeah, so answer those two questions, but I'll start with this one first, because when you're saying immigrant, oh my gosh, even though I was born in the US, everyone kept on thinking I was an immigrant. And I'm like, you speak English very well. I know, I'm like, what out of my mouth am I speaking? And idioms and uh, different terminologies and things, only, you know, American born would be speaking like this, but people looked at me a lot of times thinking, you know, always oh, which country, what country, you know, where did I immigrate? When did I come to the U.S.? And the funniest thing is when I was really young in elementary school, they put me in, e- what is it, ELS, English as a second Oh my language. goodness. Yeah. And I'm like, uh... You could have taught the class, probably. Exactly. So what happened is when I transferred, they didn't realize, I don't know how I popped up to take ELS. And I was already reading at a higher level than my group. And I did play games because I was a smart aleck type of kid. So I pretended to be Fobby. I pretended to use accents. Thanks for listening to Investing Across Borders with Lauren Cohen. Make sure to check the show notes for any links and for guest contact information. If you have questions for Lauren, please reach out to her at founder at ecouncilglobal.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with a friend.